The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find. We were four years Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast. My name is Benjamin Shapiro, and I'm the executive producer of the Voices of Search podcast. And today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by our friend Tyson Stockton, who is the co-founder and educational partner at Previsible, which is an SEO consulting and education company that helps support enterprise businesses scale organic search traffic and educate their organizations. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right, here's an episode of the Voices of Search podcast, guest hosted by Tyson Stockton from Previsible. Hey, my name's Tyson from Previsible.io, and this week we're going to be doing a full series on SEO testing. I'm really excited about this week because despite the clear advantages and interest in the topic, I think SEO testing has been something that a lot of us have kind of shied away from. So joining me this week is going to be Will Critchlow. Will is the CEO of SearchPilot, which is an SEO A-B testing platform and meta CMS that enables rapid SEO changes for large websites. To kick off the week, Will and I are going to be discussing SEO testing fundamentals. So we're going to be going over the basics, the frameworks, how we should be thinking about this to really set the pace for the rest of the week. So with that, here's my conversation with Will Critchlow, CEO at SearchPilot. Will, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Tyson. It's uh, great to be here. 
Yeah, and I, I hate to say it to the listeners out there, but a peek behind the production curtain. We actually had a mishap on our first recording. So this is take two. So appreciate you jumping back on with us. But again, like I said in the intro, I'm really excited about this week's worth of content because um, I feel like it's something extremely valuable to the SEO community. And it's something that I feel like a lot of us have shied away from a little bit, given that there are some barriers to SEO testing that may not exist or they may not exist in the exact same form in some more traditional channels like AdWords or kind of like paid spend. So Will, to kick us off, why don't you kind of set the stage for us on what is SEO testing and kind of like the framework or the challenges that we're faced with SEO testing? Yeah, for sure. So the way we think about SEO testing at SearchPilot is it really grew out of a lot of agency work. So I previously founded a company called Distilled, which is an SEO agency. We got started in 2005. And I'm sure that what many people who've been agency side will have had that same experience we did of especially big clients really struggling with getting SEO done and proving the value of SEO and especially on-site SEO. And what we're trying to do with SEO testing is knock down those barriers. And in particular, knock down the provability value. So proving the value of the work that gets done. And that means connecting individual changes, which we frame as tests or hypotheses, individual on-site changes, measuring their value, first of all, in organic traffic uplift, and then ultimately trying to connect that to revenue and business metrics. And so what we're doing when we run an SEO test is applying a, a hypothesis and using statistical techniques to figure out, is that change a good thing? Has that benefited your organic search present? And it is, as you mentioned, a little bit different to other kind of similar kinds of testing, where oftentimes you can direct users to different experiences. If you're running AdWords tests, you can test two different landing pages by sending half your users to one and half your users to another. If you're doing a conversion rate test, you can show one experience to half your audience and a different experience to the rest of your audience. That kind of approach doesn't work in SEO because effectively Googlebot is like a single user that you're trying to test for. And as experienced SEOs will know, you can't have multiple experiences shown to Googlebot for the same page. You'd end up with some kind of combination of just confusing things and only one of them getting seen and maybe even cloaking in a worst case situation. And so the way our tests work is that they run over what we call a site section. So these, this, that's a, a group of pages that have a similar page template. And we're taking our hypothesis and applying that change to subset of those pages and keeping some set of the pages as control, so unchanged. And then using the performance of, of the groups of pages and applying a kind of statistical analysis to those groups of pages to figure out whether that test was a winner or not. Okay, so one of the key pieces that I guess I would just double down on for the listeners is one, with the approach to SEO testing, we're A, validating some of our hypotheses or validating some of the things that we think will have a positive impact on the site to actually prove that. And then also we're creating at the same time, we're creating essentially that business case or the justification for the work to be done that we're relying on these other teams for. But I think it's also a, a key element for the listeners to basically what you're describing is instead of using the user as the test and control groups or the users going to the experiences as the test and control 
we're using sections of the website to create representative samples for it. Now, what are some of the challenges in that selection or that framework of, hey, I can't just show two different experiences, but I need to find these representative groups that I can apply the change to the page on? Like, what are some some nuances or challenges in establishing what those URL groups or page sections are? Well, so the first thing to realize is it does mean that some websites just aren't amenable to this kind of SEO testing. And that's probably not a complete surprise. The same is true in conversion rate testing. You know, if you only get a very small number of conversions each month, you're not going to be able to run those tests to statistical significance either. But the requirements are a little different for SEO testing. So on any website, you can't test a single page for SEO in a kind of scientific controlled manner. Obviously, you can, you can make the change and see what happens, but that's going to be confounded by seasonality, other changes to the website, Google algorithm updates, competitor changes, advertising movement, anything that changes search demand, all of those kind of things are going to confound that. But that doesn't mean you can't do that. But even on the whole website, it just not every website is kind of configured for this kind of thing. So you need scalable site sections. And so typically we're working with e-commerce where product or category pages work really well, real estate or anything with like location-based pages. That could be bricks and mortar as well if you've got a, a nationwide chain that has thousands of locations. Listings websites. So we work with, for example, jobs websites or two-sided marketplaces, any of those kind of things with, with many, many pages. And our rule of thumb is that a, a site section is suitable for SEO testing if as a collective, as a group of pages, it gets a thousand organic sessions a month, uh, a day rather, give or take, uh, so 30,000 a month, give or take, and has in it you know, at least dozens of pages and ideally hundreds, if not thousands of pages. And, and most of our work is with websites on that, that kind of larger end, because just as with any kind of statistical analysis, the bigger the groups that you're working with, the more the math becomes magic, the, the more the law of large numbers takes care of things and the more that you can compare disparate groups and, and draw out statistical inferences from those groups. What we do in, in the to make that more powerful is, you mentioned the difficulties of, of selecting within that group. So we do take care in how we select the control invariant pages. You can just group those randomly. If you've got a big enough site section and the impact that you're looking to measure is big, then randomly bucketing those pages can work. But you can actually do better than that. And so we have a, a variety of techniques that we apply to that. And what we're basically trying to end up doing is selecting a control and variant set of pages that are statistically similar to each other pre-treatment as possible. So they have the same kind of seasonality, they have the same kind of variance, they have the same kind of average levels of traffic, but essentially conversion rates even. Anything that we can detect that we can say, yes, we've, we've selected as good as possible, as well as possible to, to find that those control and variant are similar. And for that, so I mean, I guess first, one, we're not looking at an absolute, hey, it always has to be X number of pages, but we're kind of combining the volume of the pages to the traffic that those pages are getting to then create these groups that are giving roughly over a thousand kind of visits in the monthly period. So obviously the more traffic coming in, you can have multiple kind of subsections there. As far as determining tests and control that are essentially similar or close enough in this case, what are the data sources that you're looking at for that? Is it predominantly analytics, GSC, ranking data kind of going into it? Or what are the core 
kind of data points that are used to determine that? We focus mainly on analytics data. So we do we do some post-processing stuff with other data sources. And in particular, we're now monitoring Googlebot crawl data that is quite useful for test analysis. But when we're looking at that setup stage that you were talking about, we're focusing mainly on analytics data and primarily it's organic traffic and all of the statistical properties of that, whether it's a seasonality, variance, average levels, all of those kinds of things, but then also going as far as conversions where possible. Obviously, different websites have different business models. If you're working with an advertising website, it's very different to an e-commerce website, but ideally trying to get as close to the money, as close to the business case as possible. And the reason that we don't have hard and fast rules on what size website or group of pages we can work with is that there is always some judgment in there because essentially what it boils down to is the bigger the website, the more traffic it's getting, the more subtle the test that you can successfully run is. In other words, the the smaller an impact you can successfully detect with statistical confidence. Whereas if you're on a smaller website with less traffic, only the very largest effects will be discoverable or will be, uh, yeah, the statistics will, will be able to get to statistical confidence. And so then you start ending up in essentially figuring out what's the business case for this whole endeavor, right? By the time you've taken into account all of the people costs, the technology costs, the work that you have to do, is it worth it? And you're essentially, there's a bit of a gamble on how big those effects are going to be. On very large websites, that business case is typically a no-brainer, right? You know, a couple of winning tests, a winning test a quarter that is a couple of percentage point uplifts, pays for everything. And so, but on a smaller website, if you're saying actually you can only detect uplifts that are bigger than six or 8%, and we know that those are going to be very infrequent and our business model, you know, if we only get a winning test every six months, that's not good enough, wouldn't pay for the, the whole program. That's where you start saying, you know, that this doesn't work. So that's why there's some judgment in there because it all blends together what the business case, what the revenue model looks like and how sensitive you need those tests to be. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. I mean, all that is is perfectly fair. And I, I think one piece or maybe one caution to highlight from that is it sounds like you're deliberately not using just a sample set of keywords and rank position on those pages, but you're 
purposely choosing to look at all organic traffic and the analytics that'll hold to these pages. Anything there to maybe reemphasize, because I have seen and worked, whether it's with other SEOs or other clients, that they would be doing the test, but they would do it on maybe five keywords per URL. Yeah, a very important point, actually. The big, big reason we look at traffic is it's the only source that captures everything about those pages. Everything else is either sampled and or you can't measure the whole kind of universe of impact. So if you think about rank tracking, external rank tracking, you know, you set up, even if you set up hundreds of keywords, there's that long tail keywords that you're never going to be tracking. And in aggregate, the long tail can be bigger than the than the dominant head. And also you can't, uh, with external rank tracking where you get no click-through rate data, you can't tell the net effect. So if, if some keywords move up and some move down, you don't know whether that's a net positive or a net negative. And then Obviously, the other source that you mentioned is something like Search Console, where in theory, there is both click-through rate data and rank position data. And in principle, it could be the entire universe of everything that you rank for. We know that it's not. There's been some great studies showing that I think the typical websites, it's less than 50% coverage of all traffic is uh, is actually covered in those impressions and click-through rate data. And what that means is that, again, you don't know what the net impact is. The, the impact on the head might be very different to the impact on the long tail. And until you aggregate all of that data together, you simply don't know. And so that's why we look at the traffic, but that's why we then have to control for things like seasonality and Google algorithm updates and all the kinds of things that might change that level of traffic independently of the test. But all of those things apply to the control and the variant. And so that's why we can we can kind of control for them. And then the final benefit is it gets us closer to the money. Think about the value chain. It goes you know, first rank, then click, then visit, then conversion you kind of want to be getting towards the money as much as possible. And so we're, that's that's the end that we're focusing on to the extent that even when we go beyond pure SEO testing, doing what we call full funnel testing, we're actually combining tests that simultaneously evaluate the SEO impact and the conversion rate impact because that's what gets you literally right to revenue. Excellent. And I feel like that's a key piece within this framework of SEO testing is the bottom line point to it is proving that business value and having that positive business impact. And I assume there's going to be some trade-offs where you could just keep going down the statistical rabbit hole on the nuances of how representative of this, like what's the confidence intervals, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, at the end of the day, we're just needing something that's going to prove what is the business impact, how much should we invest in something, and then... I guess, ultimately also using it to justify the resources, the buy-in from the organization and all the other organizational fund that we get to deal with within SEO. Yeah, for sure. So we're typically building business cases from kind of three levers. There's the lever of, I guess the most obvious one is winning tests. You discover some things that help. You get the numbers and you, you get the percentage uplift and you get to build the business case from that. The second one is the avoidance of negative impacts. So what we've seen very commonly across, especially those big websites, is they're doing things all the time. And unfortunately, some of those changes, if you aren't testing them, are going to be negative and you might never notice because a minus 3% or a minus 4% can get lost in the noise of seasonality and algorithm updates and everything else that's going on. And you might never realize that you've just shaved 
you know, a few percentage points off your performance. Whereas if you're testing each of those things in turn, you get to only keep the winners, not deploy the losers, and get ahead of your competition that way. And then the final thread is the efficiency gains. In addition to the winners and the losers, you're going to discover a whole load of well, so you're not going to do the losers, but you're also not going to have to do the ones with no detectable positive impact. And that can be a big win. That could be 75, 80% of your proposed changes. And suddenly, if you start talking to engineering teams and saying, would you like to get all of the SEO benefit you currently get by only doing 20% of the tickets? They're like, hell yeah, we have a whole load of things that we'd like to be working on. And if we could capture all of that benefit with a fifth of the effort, then that would be superb. So that's the third part of that business case. But you're absolutely right. We One of the mantras that I bang on about a lot is we're doing business, not science. And you can definitely get trapped in that thought process of scientific certainty, which is critical if you're releasing new heart medication or something. But in the case of a, in the business world, actually what we find is speed is often the winner. If you can just get to a reasonable level of confidence, avoid the losers, roll out as many winners as possible, it's then speed that is the commercial differentiator and that lets you get ahead of that competition. That's a great point. And I feel like from this to you, you must be the dev and engineering team's best friend. <laughs> just Once we're deployed, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you have, you have the setup, but it seems like they would jump all over this. Maybe as kind of a closing point on this episode, maybe you can highlight, are there particular changes within SEO that are more friendly or kind of naturally go into this SEO testing framework than others? And we have all sorts of on-page changes, linking, page speed, whatever. Are there typical, are there changes that fit better than others? As you said, we have fundamentally able to test almost any on-site change as long as it applies to a whole site section so not just a single page at a time the easiest things to test are simple html changes so things like changes to titles meta descriptions structured data keyword changes in the headers anything like that those are the simplest probably the next most simple is kind of the more complicated version of the same thing. So doing a whole bunch of changes to the whole page, maybe shifting the layout around, moving multiple elements, doing broader content updates, which can be simple technically, but a lot of work. Probably the hardest pure on-site ones we do are internal linking tests, where you need to measure the impact not only on the page that you're changing, but also on the destination of that link and potentially even the destination of every other link off that page. And so for that, we set up multiple measurement sections. So we're measuring the impact on different groups of pages, not just the group of pages that we change. That's probably the that's probably the hardest end. We then have the a, a set of changes that we can test where the change is actually made by the, the product team. And we're just splitting between two entire versions of the website, if you like. So that's how we test reskinning, replatforming, some site speed changes, those kinds of things. That's easy for us to do for, from an analysis perspective. But the actual change can be arbitrarily hard, right? It could be entirely an entire website redesign, but that's typically obviously done by the engineering product teams themselves rather than us as the, as the SEO testers. I know I said that was the last question, but that last piece kind of sparked one more. Have you guys done projects too where companies are working on a migration, but they maybe haven't landed on two different versions of page layouts for a particular page type? Because I mean, it seems like 
this could also be an aid in further refining and improving like websites migration. Is that a space or an area that you guys have touched on? Absolutely, 100%. Yes, we have. And just like you said, it's if we don't have any data, what's the same? If we've got no data, we'll <laughs> go with my opinion. But if we've got data, let's go with that. We've definitely had situations where it has tipped the scales between two choices. And probably even more commonly, and I would say even more powerfully, we've had cases where there's a winning version, a version that they want to roll out. Then you do the SEO test and you realize it's negative and you say, we can't deploy it like this, but there's reasons why you want this new version. So let's mitigate those SEO downsides. Let's work on it before we deploy it. And let's make it so that it's at least neutral because it's good in other areas, right? It's good for user experience, good for conversion rate, whatever else it might be. Let's get to at least neutral on SEO before we deploy it because we can't deploy it minus 15% SEO performance or whatever. And that's been super powerful for, uh, for a number of the folks that we work with. Yeah, sure. that's a... Uh... It's almost like the organizational olive branch <laughs> to kind of put it into those disagreements or opinions. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. As I mentioned earlier, we're going to do an entire week of SEO testing. Um, so thanks to Will Critchlow, CEO of SearchPilot, for joining us in part two of this series, which we'll publish tomorrow. Will and I are going to continue the conversation and discuss SEO Moneyball. If you can't wait until next episode and would like to learn more about Will, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is at Will Crislow or visit his company's website at searchpilot.com. Okay, thanks to Tyson Stockton, our guest host. If you'd like to get in touch with Tyson, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Tyson underscore Stockton. Or if your team is interested in SEO consulting or organizational education, you can always head to their company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast if you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. But that's not the case anymore, thanks to Ahrefs. Because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com awt. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to voicesofsearch.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is Voices of Search on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. Shap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet, and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember, the answers are always in the data. Music.